Good morning, everyone. Morning and welcome to Old Providence Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. What a blessing it is to be in the Lord's house together as it is the Lord that has called all of us to be here today. He has ordained and maintained all things that we may enter into his presence and worship him for he alone is worthy of our worship, our praise, our honor, and our glory. And I welcome you, whether you're a longtime member or first-time visitor or somewhere in between. I'm delighted that the Lord has brought you here today. Now, if we have not met, I would love to meet you afterward, but I'm not going to be under the portico out there. Instead, I'm going to be down in Providence Hall because today we are enjoying lunch together immediately after this worship service, as today is what we call Rally Day. Uh, it's the day where we rally for Sunday school with a new Sunday school year upon us. Um, and during lunch, it's going to take a little while to get things set up. Kids uh, are welcome to head out to the playground. We'll have folks out there with them to just enjoy some, some fun times out there. Um, and let me just tell you, as we think about Sunday school, our Sunday school teachers, let me tell you how much we appreciate your faithful commitment to teaching and all the ways that you have been a blessing. The Lord has used you in so many ways, ways that you don't even know, let me tell you. So, so thank you for your faithfulness, especially is, is Vicki Lotz in here today? Somewhere there she is. Miss Vicki Miss Vicky is stepping down as Sunday school teacher, and we tried to figure out how many years she has been teaching, but we just couldn't figure that out. But the, the amount of, of, of young people that Vicki has impacted, really, you have been such a profound blessing. So we thank you for your many, many years of faithful service. Now, um, as far as other announcements go, let me just remind you to keep track of your calendars. Lots of things coming up like homecoming and special services on September 17th with Reverend Joe Fleming. He's the director uh, of the International Missions Agency Training to Send. I know that you will be blessed through being here for those services, so please plan for that. Also, it's hard to believe, but our Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study is starting back soon. Not this coming Wednesday, but the next one, okay? And we're going to be doing an in-depth study of the book of Hebrews. So this is going to be a Bible study time in the truest sense. And I, I believe you will be blessed through that. And, and every book of the Bible is applicable today, but especially the book of Hebrews as you consider what it's really focusing on. So I hope to see you there for that. Daily devotionals are starting back, not tomorrow, but the next Monday, the 1st in September as well. Again, lots of things going on, especially today. Uh, please join us, really. There's plenty of food to share. We would love to have that time with you. Now, that is enough announcements. Obviously, today is also different. Not only is it Rally Day, but the table is prepared before us as we are lifted spiritually into the Lord's presence to receive communion. So let us prepare our hearts now for the time that lies ahead as Donna leads us in the prayer. Our call to worship this morning is, in fact, the shortest psalm in the psalms, but it is short 
and it is poignant. It says in Psalm 117, Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people, for his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. My friends, as you go through the Psalms, all of them, you see so many attributes of God that the psalmist focuses on. So many different things that the Lord does that that he's praised for. But this psalm, in its brevity, points out to merciful kindness and the truth of the Lord. We are the recipients of such merciful kindness. If you doubt that, look only to the table that is prepared before you that represents the body of our Lord which was broken, that represents his blood that was poured out. Why? Because of the Lord's merciful kindness to his people. And yet also the truth of the Lord, the salvation that is available through Christ alone, the truth of his word that he has revealed, this too is pointed out as a reason for praise. So let these be at the forefront of your mind this morning as we come before the Lord as as he has been pleased to call us to this place. Let's now go to the Lord in prayer, after which we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together and then confess the Apostles' Creed. But let's go to him now. Our God and our Father, what a blessing it is to be in this place, to to have this time that you have provided for us, calling us out of the regular, out of the, the daily grind, instead giving us this, your day, and also the table set before us. Even now, work in our hearts. Prepare us as we spend time praying, as we lift up songs of praise, as we go to your word, and as we come to the table. Work in our hearts, drawing us to yourself. We pray these things in Christ's name, and we also pray as he taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now as we say the Apostles' Creed together, let me ask you, Christian, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen indeed. Now let's stand as we continue in our time of worship. And as we take our hymnals and turn to number 132, the words are on the screen. As we sing, all hail the power of Jesus' name, hymn 132.
to be seated. As it is a communion Sunday, there is no children's sermon, but parents, I would encourage you to talk about that which your children will see unfolding before them today as we come to the table. Now let's go to the, to the Lord at this time in silent prayer, and then I'll lead us in the pastoral prayer. But let's go to him now. Eternal God and Heavenly Father, as we have lifted up in song just now and as we have read from your word, we are here today to praise your holy name. For there is no other name under heaven or earth under which men are saved but Christ. And Father, your name is exalted in all the universe, seated on high in all of your majesty and yet our Father at the same time. May the name of Christ be praised. And may your name, O oh Father, may your name be lifted up. As we survey the world around us, the wonderings, the wanderings, as we consider how many people are lost, how many people have turned to foolishness, then embrace things. And we say, is the world full of fools? Your word tells us that the fool is said in his heart, there is no God. And so, yes, we know it is. And we deal with the evidence of that. It's all around us, whether it's in the society that we find ourselves in that is continually more and more corrupt or, or, or any other facet of society. The fact that we live in this fallen world is so evident. Let it also be so evident to us that that we know the remedy, that it is not politics, that it's not programs, that it's not methods or this or that or the other. The, the remedy is Jesus Christ. As we consider this world around us that is so lost, we pray that you would work within us an urgency, a tenacity even, to share the truth. Let us love. As you have loved us. And in our love let us not shrink away. Instead let us engage. In our love let us not hide our lights under bushels. But instead in our love let the light of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ blaze forth in us. So that people would see. So that people would understand the difference. The difference made not by us, but the difference you make. Let us radiate these things, Father. And as we face challenges to radiating these things, we pray that you would work in our lives. Bring comfort, bring encouragement, bring correction if necessary in your mercy. Bring healing. We think of those that are not with us this morning that desperately want to be. Some are facing new medical issues. Some are facing the same medical issues that they faced for years you know these circumstances, Father, so please work in them. Others are struggling in other ways, grieving loss, experiencing heartache, dealing with weariness, for this world is, 
it can beat us down and, and you understand you understand the world far better than we do so please intervene so that again we would be about your business as we think about the life of old providence we are grateful for the ways that you've intervened over the years for the ways that you have preserved, for the ways that you have protected, for the ways that you have seen fit, that your word would be carried forth. One of these ways, of course, is in education. We thank you for Sunday school. We thank you for the commitment of the teachers that prepare and prepare and prepare. And Father, they do so out of love for you. So would you please restore them again and again. Let them feel your presence and our appreciation. We pray for our students, young and adult alike, it doesn't matter. Give us that desire to know you more that again we would be ready to give the reason for the hope that we have in Christ. As we embark on this new year with lots of new things, we pray for students in school, we pray for students in Sunday school. We pray that you would be with old providence as we go forward. And while you have blessed us in many ways and you give us many things for us to achieve that which you've laid before us, one of the blessings you've given us is in the table that's before us right now. This table that represents the body of Christ broken. This table that represents the blood of Christ poured out. This time where we are lifted spiritually into your presence to receive the benefits of being one of your covenant children. Oh, Father, that you would work in our hearts. Even now, if there's something we need to confess to you, let us bring it to you with sorrow, with penitence, with a contrite spirit, for this is what you love. And Father, as we consider our needs, spiritually speaking, we pray that you would meet them, that again you would give us encouragement, that you would spur us on towards faithfulness. And not only us, the rest of your church around us, Christians that we're united to in Christ that we don't even know, spur us all on towards faithfulness for your sake, for our good, and for your kingdom. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now let us continue in our worship by standing again and taking our hymn books and turning to number 399. And of course, the words are on the screen as we sing all love divine, all love's excelling. Number 399, please stand with me.
Let's go to the Lord, our Father, in light of your love that is divine, that's excelling all others. We thank you. And now as we come to this portion where, in light of your love, we return to you. I pray for your blessings, that, that you would bless the gift, that you would bless the giver, that you would bless old providence, that we would do what you want us to do, that we would be faithful, and that your kingdom would grow as a result. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Be seated.
Thank you very much, choir. Such a fitting anthem today, especially in light of the table. But I don't know if you've ever thought about the counterintuitive nature of blood signaling victory, especially when it's the blood of your founder. Usually blood in, in, in our natural context signifies defeat, when in fact it is the shed blood of Christ that defeated death and hell once and for all, that, that purchased redemption. We have been blessed in so many ways, and so thank you for that wonderful reminder. Well, if you were with us last week, then you already know that today we're picking up where we left off in what is probably the most well-known chapter in all of God's Word. That would be the 23rd Psalm. And I offer that qualifier for it being the best well-known chapter because John 3.16, as I said last week, it still takes the top spot due to exposure and everything from, from the Super Bowl concerts, pop culture itself. But as I said last week, it's an enigma that the 23rd Psalm is the most well-known chapter of God's Word because it's, it's not like some of the biblical stories that people know, like David and Goliath or, or Noah's Ark. Instead, the 23rd Psalm, I believe, is so popular, so well-known because of the comfort that it can provide. And the reason that I emphasize the can the comfort it can provide is because if you can say the Lord is my shepherd, if you've repented of your sin and submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord, if you're trusting in Jesus alone for your salvation, nothing and no one else, then what greater comfort could you possibly have than the fact that the God of the universe is telling you that he's your shepherd and that you won't be in want? That really is what we focused on last week. If, if God is telling the truth in Psalm 23, 1, and he is, then the fact that the Lord is your shepherd and, and you shall not want it ought to change everything for you. But is he your shepherd? If the Lord is, it ought to change what you do and why you do it. It ought to, it ought to change how you approach both the difficulties of life and the triumphs of life. Because, you know, both can be imposters, right? Rudyard Kipling, my man, is his great poem, If. He talks about if you, can, if you can greet triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. Y'all, we can be just as far from God or further from God when everything is going right and everything seems like it's going well. We can be further from God in those circumstances than when difficulties come. But it ought to change. If, if, if you can say the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you believe that, it ought to change how you greet times of trouble and times of great comfort. Times of want, times of plenty. But again, the reason I say the 23rd Psalm can provide comfort is that if Jesus is not Lord of your life, if you are not trusting in Christ alone for your salvation, if you don't belong to the good shepherd, again, if you really can't say the Lord is my shepherd, well, then you, you can't claim a rest on the 23rd Psalm. It's just as simple as that. It, there's lots of different metaphors from this, but I, the way I like to say it is that the 23rd Psalm is like fuel in your vehicle, right? You know, if a, if a vehicle doesn't have any fuel, it's not going anywhere. The, the comfort of the 23rd Psalm acts like fuel and that the comfort of the 23rd Psalm only goes as far as the faith of the one reading it. Just like a car without gas isn't going anywhere, a person without Jesus isn't going anywhere. Look, there's a reason why he said in John 15, 
I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And then the next line, he doesn't say, without me, you'll get by pretty decent. Mm -mm. He doesn't say, without me, you'll be able to do some things. No, he says, for without me, you can do nothing. And that's the truth. But even so, like last week, I want to be very clear about something. Knowing Jesus, trusting in Jesus, being a Christian, doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle. It doesn't mean that you will not face difficulties, that you won't be disappointed with people, that you won't need the Lord. And let me tell you also that if you're at a point in your life where things seem to be going very well, it doesn't mean that they will always be that way. Difficulties come. The spiritual warfare that we're engaged in constantly, it's, it's a reality. And the devil always seeks to attack, especially if you're doing something that he doesn't want you to do. If, if you're never bothered by the devil, it means you're doing what he wants from you, right? But my friends, this reality is ours that we face. So not only do we have the first verse of the 23rd Psalm, the, the overarching, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We have the rest of the 23rd Psalm too. And we're going to read it together in just a moment. But first, let's pray. Our God and our Father, please be with us now as we come to your word. We are reminded, just in speaking of the evil one and the ways that he attacks, the ways that he discourages, the way that he, uh, that he tries to distract and dissuade us, that we need your help. We enter into a spiritual time. We're in a spiritual time. And so we need spiritual help. Guide us by your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your spirit that we would understand, that we would see, that we would know, that we would apply what it means to be one of your sheep. We're not going to understand without you, so please guide us now by your spirit. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So Psalm 23, beginning in verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thus ends the 23rd Psalm. May God bless the reading of his holy, inerrant, and infallible word. Amen and amen. Well, as I prepared for today's message, picking up where we left off, again reading the 23rd Psalm, I was reminded that there's a reason that we are called sheep and the Lord is called the shepherd. Consider, put, put everything that we just read together. We got through verse 1 last week, the, the beginning of verse 2. But put everything together that we've just read and consider the relationship that is described there. Again, I've said it already. The overall statement expressed in verse 1 is that because the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want... Excuse me, but in verse 2 and following, we see why we will not be in want. 
And we see it through what the shepherd does for the sheep, the, the relationship that is described there. Now again, last time we made it through the first part of verse 2, where it says that the Lord maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Last week we spent a little time on this. I, I tried to dispel false notions about what green pastures in Israel look like. When we think about green pastures, we think about beautiful, flowing, hilly things out there, right? Or, or maybe you think about the Great Plains, you know, great grassland. This is what's in our mind, but realize much to the contrary. Uh, the green pastures in Israel actually look like this. And yes, this is an Israeli shepherd doing his job. Remember last week I said that in this part of Israel, they only get about 23 inches of rain all year long. Okay, we average 43 inches of rain. So it's only 20, 20 inches of rain makes a huge difference. Okay, I know around us it's dry, but it felt like we had 20 inches in July right here in Spotswood. And last night when it was pouring, I don't know how much we got, but nevertheless, 23 inches is not a lot of rainfall. Right, the, the way that grass actually grew in Israel is that humid air would come in off the sea. It would hit the rocks that are heated by the sun all day long and then the, 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 the water would condense and it would flow down the rock and grass would spring up around the rocks. That was the green pastures. The sheep just had to follow the shepherd to those pastures and there was plenty of grass. The sheep had to follow or be made to follow. Hence the closing statement from last week about not fighting the shepherd. He, he knows what's good for you even if you don't see it. So that's that first part of the relationship that we got to last week. But the 23rd Psalm doesn't stop by simply saying that the shepherd provides food for the sheep. In addition, the, the second part of verse 2 says that he leadeth me beside the still waters. Now, as you think about sheep, and I know that some of y'all know way more than I, you've forgotten more about sheep than I will ever know. Okay, I realize that. But in terms of physical skill, sheep would not have swimming at the top of their list, right? I mean, a shepherd, a good shepherd would never lead his sheep to drink from fast-flowing, rapid water. It's not because sheep can't swim. It's just because of the nature of sheep. You know why they don't lead them to quickly, you know, fast-flowing water? It's because of this. The way that sheep would eat in this scenario or drink in this scenario is that they would drink and then they'd edge out a little further and then they'd, they'd go a little further and a little further and they wouldn't pay attention to where they were drinking, what they were drinking. They would just go and then before they knew it, once they got into the swift water, they're gone. They're down the river. Again, y'all, there, there's a reason that we're referred to as sheep. The Lord knows us. Psalm 103, 14, for he himself knows how we were framed. He remembers that we are dust. And doesn't this idea of not paying attention and then getting swept away, doesn't that apply to us? There's a reason why the author of Hebrews warned about paying more closer attention or paying closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. You see, the way sin works is that we go a little further out and then we go a little further and a little further and a little further. And then before we know it, you're drifting fast and down the river you go. Whether it's with temptation or sin, we, we can get sucked into whatever it is. We can get sucked into just the busyness of life. Y'all know that. Goodness, life has a way of filling up so much that you never even look up to realize what's going on around you. You lose intentionality, and before you know it, you're in trouble. Or you don't even recognize where you are. 
But my friends, remember what our passage says. The Lord leads us instead to still waters. And to that end, verse 3, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Rather than leading us in the direction of sin and destruction, not only does he lead us to still waters, he leads us to paths of righteousness where footing is firm. I don't know if you've ever seen this video or not. It's a snippet, and, and people laugh at it, but it's, it's really kind of scary. There's this video online of these hikers that find a sheep, and they're in Scotland or somewhere, and they find this sheep on the side of a mountain, and its leg is stuck in some fencing, right? And so the guys, they think that they'll help it, and then the, they end up finally getting the sheep's leg out, but its legs are asleep, and it falls and it just falls. I mean, it looks like it falls for 10 minutes. It's just bouncing down the hillside. And you think, my goodness, what, what's happened to that sheep? I, I hope it was really fluffy. But nevertheless, it just goes bounding down the hillside. The way that the Lord leads us, though, is away from those situations, to use that as a metaphor. The path that the Lord sets for us is one of righteousness. And y'all, the path of righteousness, while not always easy, is always simple. It's that path of trust. It's that path where God has revealed to us in his word what he desires from us. He has given us his Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to guide and direct us. And what we're called to do is obey. Obey and leave the consequences to God. That's what the paths of righteousness are like. It's not glamorous. It's not always easy, but the alternative path of sinfulness, of selfishness, it leads to nothing but uneven ground and to peril. And it is in this path of righteousness that God not only leads us in the path of righteousness in terms of our safety, God leads us in paths of righteousness because he loves us. He knows what's good for us, for it's only in trusting him and obeying him that we find Next, in his verse 4, he, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's that restoration of soul that is the end result of this. I probably don't have to tell you this, but having your soul restored is important. It's one of the reasons that we come to the table today. Restoration in this weary world, oh, it's so necessary and it's so rare Consider all the alternatives the world tries to offer you in order for you to find restoration. And oftentimes they don't restore anything at all. It just further tears us down. Instead of being restored to being who we were, who we were created to be, namely loving and knowing God, for that's how God created us in his image. Instead, the world offers things that only pull us further away. The restoration of the soul offered through Christ as we follow him, the good shepherd, is one of constant reliance on him. Constant refreshment through his spirit. And that sort of restoration makes all the difference in the world. You ever known somebody that could be characterized by peace? I don't mean that their life is easy. I don't mean that they're well off or anything like that. But have you ever known somebody that has real abiding peace and joy. 
somebody that you know is trusting in the Lord. Oh, if you ever have, you know that there's something genuine there. there there's something real there in this world of falsehood, and that's a realness you cannot fake. It's manifest when difficulties come. Let me tell you, it's especially manifest at the end of life. It's not by mistake that verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will... Y'all, this is where the rubber meets the road, as it were. Everything the 23rd Psalm has addressed thus far can, can kind of sort of be faked in terms of whether you believe it or not. You can fake trusting in God to provide for you. You can put up a false front of righteousness. Oh, anybody can do that. You can say that you trust God all day long. But when it comes to the valley of the shadow of death itself, when it comes to dealing with the hardness of life, its disappointments, when it comes to dealing with death, when it may be the end of life, that's when all filters come off. That's when all illusions fade away and a person's true faith really comes out. You know, last week I, I preached on the 23rd, the verse, verse 1. And I'm not going to say who it was, but when I was outside under the portico, one of you came to me and talked about the 23rd Psalm when I believe it was your mother that was in the last stages of her life when she was so close to passing and you would start reading it and she would just pick up and recite that and she would be at peace. Let me tell you all something. You can't buy that. You can't work that up. Not within yourself. That kind of peace only comes from genuine faith. That kind of peace only comes from actually trusting that the Lord is your shepherd and that you won't be in want. Let me tell you something. In my line of work as an under-shepherd of the good shepherd, I've been with, with people at the end of their life many, many times. And the ones who really know the Lord as their shepherd are drastically different from those who do not. I have seen it with my eyes and I have heard it with my ears. I've been here for six years now and I've had the immense honor to be present at bedside for several of your loved ones, lots of your loved ones at the end of their lives. And let me tell you, they believe then and they know now with absolute certainty that the Lord is their shepherd. And you can't fake that. You either possess that faith or you don't. And we live in a world that by and large overwhelmingly does not. And it lives in constant fear and uses distraction and any means necessary to remove the thought of danger, of, of death, of peril from their minds. Yet what does the 23rd Psalm say about the believer? About the one who can say the Lord is my shepherd? Not only in death do we receive comfort, it's also in disaster. Verse 5, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. That's the image that's being used. Someone that would have read this would have understood if they had any experience with sheep, they would have known that there were two great perils in Israel that had to do with sheep's heads, right? The first was briars. You know, we think about briars, we think of like blackberry bushes. No, we're talking about big, 
thick, intense briars, right? Sheep would be eating and they'd just nuzzle into a briar patch and then soon their heads would be entangled. They didn't pay attention and they couldn't get loose and that would leave them prey to predators. They could come along and just eat them right there as they couldn't get away. They could break their own necks. They could suffocate. And what a picture of sin that is. That's how sin works. You think everything's fine and then you just... sheep's eyes, the ears, especially in the noses, and it would lay eggs and actually suffocate the sheep. So the oil that the psalmist speaks of here, that David speaks of, the oil that the shepherd used for anointing formed a protective barrier on the sheep's head, preventing those fly attacks, preventing the sheep from getting stuck in the briars. But for us, his people, anointing with oil and cups running over, it means something else entirely. As his people, do you realize the Lord doesn't just put up with us? He doesn't just show us mercy. He shows us grace. Not only does he not treat us as our sins deserve, he adopts us as his own. He makes us heirs to his throne. Princes and princesses all. Listen to what he tells us in his word. Romans 8, it says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. You know, what the 23rd Psalm tells us about our heads being anointed with oil, our cups running over. When it says that a table has been prepared before us in the... Being a son or a daughter of the king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That is at war with the evil one. That lion lion roaming to and fro wanting to devour you. Yet in this war we have won through Christ Jesus who according to Hebrews 10 is from now on expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Jesus is just waiting There are battles, spiritual warfare is real, but we belong to the good shepherd, to the king. God does all of this for you, Christian, and he does it through Jesus Christ alone. As this table points before you, too. If you do not know Christ, if he is not Lord of your life, God tells us it is his desire that none should perish. But realize if you turn to him, he will do these things for you so that the words of Psalm 23 can be yours. And if you will trust in him, if you are here and you do trust in him, these words are yours. This relationship points to who God is for you, to his commitment to you as one of his sheep. That commitment culminates in the last verse. Just like the first, it's not complicated. It needs no explanation. The Bible says what it means and means what it says. But if you will trust in Jesus Christ alone, if you have asked him to be Lord of your life, then these words of yours are yours. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, in light of such wonderful promises, we have grateful hearts. 
considering all that you have done for us. such love but we delight in it we praise you for it let us live in light of it not falling to the temptation of the world to to live in dread and fear and all these other paths of righteousness not because we've got to but because we get to because you love us enough Father, if any do not know you, let them turn to you now and trust. Dwelling with you forever. As we come to the table now, let us prepare our hearts. Hindrance that may be in the way, what we need to bring before you. Give us the courage and the conviction to turn to you now. And again, and again, and again. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, as is our custom, before we come to the table, we will stand together and sing Bible song number 242, the first two stanzas. And we'll save the last for after we have taken communion together. But please stand with me as we sing Bible song 242, the first two verses of I Love the Lord. may be seated.
Well, as we come now to the table, let me invite you to join us. However, let me warn you as well. Communion, as we've just talked about, is for those that belong to Christ. For those that are trusting in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation, not their works. Not that there's some cosmic scale where maybe you do more good things than bad things, or maybe you're not so bad of a person and God will let you into heaven because he's just so nice. No. Are you trusting in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? If so, you are invited to this table. But also, let me encourage you to examine yourself. Listen to these words of warning. It says in 1 Corinthians 11, we're instructed that, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning. of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have died. My friends, the warning hinges on that phrase, recognizing the body of the Lord. What does that mean? Well, first, again, it means trusting in Christ alone for your salvation. But that trust is not just a one-time deal. I'm not saying you work your way to Christ. Once you're saved, you are saved. You are justified in time and space at one point in time. But recognizing the Lord also means living in trust. It means continuing on in a life of faithfulness. doesn't mean being perfect. If you had to be perfect to take communion, then none of us could take it and I couldn't serve it. And furthermore, if it were possible for you to be perfect, this table would not exist. For you see, it is only Jesus Christ who could fulfill the law perfectly. If it were possible for us to, God would have never sent his son to die. So this doesn't mean living perfectly, but what it does mean is trusting in Christ. The examination that the apostle points to that we should do in 1 Corinthians 11 means that we should examine ourselves. Are you stuck in some pattern of sin? Is there something that you refuse to turn loose? Do you need to make something right with the Lord? If so, in a moment I'm going to pray. Take that time to confess it and ask the Spirit to guide you, to lead you through this, and He will. But if you're actively rebelling against God, if you're stuck in some sort of sin, if you're holding a grudge, it doesn't matter what it is, y'all. If you have concluded that you don't need the Lord's forgiveness for something, that you're just going to have to go for it, this table is not for you. Recognizing the body and blood of the Lord means recognizing your own sin and realizing how much need you have for God's grace. So if you would do that, then come, take and eat, take and drink all of it. Let's go to the Lord now and thank him. Our Father, we thank you for the body of Christ that was broken. We thank you for the blood of Christ that was poured out. For it is only in these that we have victory. It is only in these that our redemption was purchased, paid for. It is only in Christ that we stand. Show us our great need for you again and again and again.
again. And oh, Father, restore our souls as you have promised to do. That we would restore others. Please now bless us in this time. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul writes, For I received from the Lord Jesus what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Hold the elements so that we can take together.
This is the body of Christ which has been broken for you. Take and eat all of it. First Corinthians 11 goes on to say that in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup, it's the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Hold it.
This is the blood of Christ that has been poured out for the remissions of sins. Take and drink all of it. My friends, the bread and the cup have been passed, and by God's goodness he has given us this time together. Let us now close by standing and singing the last stanza of 242, I Love the Lord. This time I'll pray for our meal and then receive the benediction. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, for this meal that you have given, this spiritual meal. And now we pray that you would be with us as we go into this time together of fellowship. We pray that you would bless it, bless the food, those who work so hard to prepare it, and bless the time that both would nourish us in their own ways. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace, both now and forevermore. Amen. You may go in peace, but please do come and join.